You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network as we move in to another episode of our exclusive coverage of the first season of Third Watch and uh, eventually the entire season of Third Watch, of course, series of Third Watch moving forward. Uh, we're into the ninth episode of the first season. This one is entitled Modern Designs. For better living. Almost sounds like we're talking about a renovation show here or something, but uh, nope, we're talking about Third Watch. Thank goodness. I'm not talking about renovation shows ever. Uh, my name is Ben, and I'm here to buy myself some nads and get myself a girlfriend. Hey, it's B Whitfield, and we're back at it again. I'm loving this, so we're doing a raid today. Fantastic. Are we? <laughs> Good. I look forward to it. We who are, are we raiding? Who, 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 who are we going after? Bookie, what's his name? I don't know. We're just doing a raid today. <laughs> I'm, I'm with Davis. I'm excited. <laughs> so, we'll see. We'll see. All right, but uh, this—I mean, look—it's a—it's an interesting episode again, kind of uh, as we we move into this one after sort of our last episode. Got to start off straight away because we we get the previously on third watch. We don't generally touch on you know what's going on the previously on third watch because if you've been listening to these episodes, you know what's been going on on third watch, but. Look, this has always, always, always irked me. And we're going to talk about this because I feel that there was a deleted scene in one of these episodes or a storyline in one of these episodes that just was completely cut by the editors, that there was some sort of anything to do with this guy, Malcolm. Because we get a previously in third watch and we see all of a sudden, we see Davis in this scene of him meeting this kid called Malcolm. And straight away... You're instantly like, have have I missed an episode? Have I, like, skipped? Have I gone forward? Or what's going on here? Or anything along these lines? Because, I mean, this is a key plotline of this story. And we basically at no point have ever met this kid called Malcolm. So, again, not sure if this was an NBC editing thing that they just basically cut out a storyline last minute from an episode. There was a throwaway scene that we just never got. I mean, obviously there was because they filmed something or even they might have filmed them out of order and just this happened. But, uh, yeah, this has always pissed me off and irked me here, Brandy, that this, this happens and we have no idea what has happened before this. I thought it was just me. Like I said, <laughs> Definitely I just thought not it was just me. you. When I was watching the show, I went back and I was like, okay, maybe I'm I'm tripping. Maybe I'm, I missed the episode. So I, I paused this one, go back to the next one. And I'm like, no. Nah, and I come back because I'm like, where did this Malcolm kid come from? Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden, Davis goes from like having his partner to like suddenly out of the blue handling things on his own. And some, I guess he did something. I don't know how Malcolm came to the story. I mean, it's a beautiful plot, but. I, it kind of does irk me because I feel like this was a deep. It's kind of a deep plot that I feel like there should have been a little bit more background that we should have been involved with. But I mean, I don't know. Third Watch is awesome. You can't ask for too much, I guess. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of <laughs> I think going back to what we talked about in the very first episode. That there are definitely moments where um, continuity is not a thing that Third Watch, I guess, generally has gotten well over the years. So, uh, I mean, yeah, this is definitely a real, like, hey, what the hell have I missed moment. And again, I, I, I honestly would say it just comes down to the fact that this is probably just a scene maybe in the previous episode or we got just a really brief scene with these two 
there wasn't a storyline it was just a, it was just a tiny little scene and i reckon they've just cut it out of the episode so for continuity purposes knowing that they then use this towards a future storyline uh you know again it might have been an nbc thing you know they've cut it at the last minute before they've aired it and you know warner brothers and sort of the guys behind the watch gone hey like what the fuck are you doing this is kind of like ruining our plot moving forward so um yeah just in case anybody has sort of gone into this episode they've been watching this with us and they're thinking guys you never talked about this malcolm scene like what's going on i feel like it's not just you it's brandy it's myself we we had no clue either this is always one of those ones you're like what the hell so anyway we'll, we'll touch on malcolm we get to meet malcolm for the first time but apparently we're meant to believe we've seen him before uh i've just discovered my line that i was going to use at the beginning and i've stuffed up oh well whatever um We'll get to that. Oh, no, no. We're nearly at that scene. We're nearly at the scene. But uh, so we start off, Maddie and Bobby, uh, you know, Bobby's leaving his apartment. Maddie's arriving and Bobby's sort of questioning him, like, you know, where have you been? He's kind of, you know, oh, this city never, you know, closes, you know that. And he's saying that he's been at work and, you know, here's some money for some rent and utilities, uh, which is always intriguing the way Bobby says, like, where did you get this money? Now, at this point, you kind of assume, like, oh, he doesn't know that he's got a job. But as we find out throughout this episode, Bobby clearly knows he's got a job. So why is Bobby questioning where he got the money from? The history. I get that, but I, I mean, it. but he still knows he's got a it, job. And, he, and and I get where you're coming from, because it's like Bobby was, like, the only one that truly believes in him. But then this episode, it's like, he questions about the blue, like, where did you get this money? Mm. And he's like, oh, don't worry, I sold, I sold, I was just selling drugs <laughs> to the kids. What you- I'm not going to lie to you. I've been selling drugs to kids. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so those to the school kids, like, don't only during like, rapes. I don't know. <laughs> it's just, he's like, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But it's just hilarious because Bobby's just like, look now, I'm like, <laughs> don't play with me right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I love the next scene, like, with Davis and Sully. <laughs> oh, for sure. So, yeah, we, we cut from that. We get uh, basically in, in roll call and uh, Davis and Sully are going on a raid. So Davis is very excited about this. Uh, you know, because he's never been in a raid before, and Sally's kind of like, yeah, I was excited the first time I did it, now I've done it, you know, a hundred times since. And, you know, the way Davis is kind of like, oh, you know, do we get any special equipment or anything? And it's like, you know, we're taking out a bookie, not Lex Luthor. <laughs> exactly. I just love it, because there's like, I'm excited, are you excited, Sally? He's just like, yeah, my first time, you know. And he's just like, we're going on a raid. Like, he tells a guy at the, yeah. uh, at the gateway equipment, like his his radio and stuff, He's like, we're doing a radio today. <laughs> He's just so excited. And I just, I'm loving it. Cause it's like, I just love it. You can see, no, you can see, you can I see that it's is a, an exciting thing, you know. Because I mean, you know, that's kind of why you become a police. Uh, you know, a lot of times that adrenaline, those big kind of takedowns and stuff like that. So again, living it through Davis's eyes, we can we can easily see why it's uh, you know, uh, an exciting prospect. But obviously, then on Sally's flip side, it's kind of like, hey, you know, dude, I've done this like a thousand times before. <laughs> I will say. That's one of my favorite quotes of this this episode. Was just like we're taking out Bookie, not Lex Luthor. <laughs> like, it's just hilarious. I love it. It's, it's fun. It's fun. Uh, this is this scene is kind of where I forgot I had my quote from to open it. Um, so we've got Bosco and Yokas in the car, and so uh, you know Yokas is talking about Fred. You know, always oh, annoying me. You know, he hasn't you know had a drink in four days and all this sort of stuff. And then just Bosco seeing the two girls running, not subtle at all. He remind I've got a friend who is like this, who like you'll be driving with him, and he'll just like stare and just like be so obvious. And I'm like, dude, like you can look, but like don't make it so obvious. <laughs> and it's like the way Boz is like, oh my god, would you check them out? And it's like, and she's like, Boz. 
And it's like, what? This is my. This is meant to be my quote. You got home stories every day. That is a one-time piece of ass. <laughs> yep, that's a good one. I was, I was just like, I love it. I mean, again, Bosco and Faith, their their like their relationship is just awesome. I just, <laughs> you know, because I think I don't know. It's just it's cool. It's yeah. Faith is so chill. She's so like she's like boss, but she's so chill because he's Bosco. He's, she's just like not as offended. She doesn't get offended by his his comments. You know, and this like, is just nobody, yeah. I feel I feel but. like last episode was kind of our we need to talk more about Bobby being a nice guy episode. This is the let's talk more about how fucking awesome Bosco and Yokus are because as anybody who has ever dealt with my social media would know, my handle and this is in my email address, my my Twitter username, uh, basically anything that involves myself, is NYC55David. I fucking love yep. Bosco. And, you know, Bosco is my favourite character. If I've never stipulated that enough, Bosco is my favourite character. Yokus, and just their dynamic. And this is, like, again, a, 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 an ongoing thing that we would talk about in terms of how characters that develop. And I've sort of, I guess, touched on... The one disappointing thing I don't like about how Third Watch is ended, if I haven't touched on this, this is the first time I've said this, but maybe the, 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 the one of the main things that really irks me about how Third Watch ends is how Yokus and Bosco end up. I'm not going to say anything more, but it just, to me, it is something that is left unresolved. Particularly when you're watching it in these early days of how, like, to me, they're the centre of the show for a large portion of Third Watch. And just their dynamic. And this, this just little scenes like this. You know, he's Bosco being Bosco. He's 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 perving on these girls running past, and he's Yoka's talking about the family life and just the way they work. And you know, it's just you can just tell. And this is a full credit to Jason Wiles and Molly Price. They're just so natural. You can believe that they've been partners for what about? I think we learned about ten or so years. You know, you just believe it. It's so natural. And kind of going back to what we've said about the fact that you know he's a man and a woman, and at no point is this ever implied that it's anything more than just partners and friends. You know, and I and I will say there's actually I think I've in the past have uh, maybe I have a little bit the 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 show that's currently on Blue Bloods uh, you know similar sort of show in a way it's about NYPD. But um, they've actually got a, a pairing in that show that is a man and a woman, and they're very much like no implications that they're anything more than partners, and it's done very well. It's done very well in sort of a similar vein. Not as good as Bosco and Yokus, but still, I like it when you have these storylines when it's a man and a woman, and you never get that sexual tension. Because let's be honest, and you, we talked about this last episode. Again, we're getting sidetracked here, but it's also related. Um, I believe you and I talked a little bit about this in the episode, sort of about how we've got friends of the opposite sex who are kind of you know we're always seen as a friend but like i've got friends who are girls who in no way have i ever had any inkling or thoughts more so than a friend and likewise with them with me or i assume (laughs) i don't know but like to me it's kind of there's always an implication in movies and tv that men and women can't just be friends they always have to put sexual tension or chemistry or something down the line so the fact that they maintain this and this is my my long-winded point here of kind of a, 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 what's even the word I'm trying to find here, a neutral, a platonic relationship between a man and a woman, uh, I, I commend them for that. So, anyway, long-winded point, Bosco and Yokus are awesome. This scene just shows their awesomeness, and I just wanted to take a moment to just say how awesome Bosco and Yokus are. I mean, and I agree. I mean, when you're talking about that, I just thought about the whole, 
one episode, spoiler alert, just to keep you guys, you know, very like, I want to see this show. I mean, at one point, Bosco does something where he robs a, a guy. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes to Faith. He goes to Faith. And Faith is like, you cannot just rob these guys. And so just to get you guys to, like, keep wanting to watch the show, at one point, Bosco does something like that. And it just goes <laughs> forgot, to show, like, I forgot these about that episode. That episode's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I just want to let them know, like, hey, just so you guys stay on track. <laughs> you don't want to miss it because these shows, these episodes just keep, keep getting better and better and and you know, and the relationship between the two is just awesome because I don't like I said I don't think I've ever seen that before too. Like where one of the officers robs a guy and they go to their partner, and the partner's just like, "Are you kidding me, Bosco?" Yeah, <laughs> this, that's just awesome. There's actually, I mean, just the, look. I mean, you. I, it kind of sounds like you've had a lot more interaction with police than I have. I mean, my my grandfather was a, a police officer. You know, long. I mean, he he was in that role long before I was born. But kind of, you know, I used to talk to him about stories and that when he was he was a cop. And I, I'm the type of person who I guess is always respected police i mean touch wood i've never really had a huge interaction with police sort of outside of an interviewing capacity or um you know a, a house break in here or there you know um but i kind of just to me this seems like a really natural realistic pairing in, in like what this would possibly be like as, as sort of partners in police and kind of going on a sort of another similar show sort of I mentioned blue bloods but probably the most the similar, most similar show I think I might have ever come across to Third Watch in terms of just it feels natural and realistic. I don't know if you've ever heard of a show called Southland, which um, yes, yeah, Virginia King, yeah, 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 Virginia. yeah, and oh, we should cover that. Yeah, we should cover that. Oh, oh, oh okay. After Third Watch, we're doing Southland. I'm with you. That was a brilliant yes. show. But I mean that that's actually love- a show that I've I've I'm read down. police officers say that's Anthony's- the most realistic show they've ever come across in terms of the police. Yeah. So and like and- you I think I think I heard you might have just mentioned that Anthony Rivera he was sort of a main character yeah. wasn't he in like the last season and um I think when I interviewed Anthony Rivera we might have talked a little bit about Southland from memory. Uh, but yeah, if if people are listening to this and you're enjoying Third Watch and maybe kind of want to have a similar police show out of this, because look, let's be honest, police shows are a lot of lot of them merge into each other with how they are. But Southland to me is is different. It's done in a very different style. It's set in Los Angeles. It's it's not set in in New York, and it's 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 very well acted. It's very realistic the way it's done. And 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 he's a kind of a really side note. If you, if you ever grew up watching The OC. Um, you will get to see Benjamin McKenzie, uh, I think, in his yes. sort of major post-OC role. So, like, I was a huge OC fan, knew him as Ryan the whole time, and here he is playing a hard-as-nut cop, and he he's actually a good actor. He's like, you watch the OC yeah. thinking he's only ever going to be Ryan. He will never be anything else. But, no, he plays a cop fantastically. And then now, if just another show, we're really getting sidetracked here, but, of course, he's in Gotham. I don't know if you watch Gotham, but, uh, anyway, Benjamin McKenzie, very talented actor. But, anyway, so my point was that Southland is definitely probably outside of Third Watch, the most, uh, I guess, similar in terms of how they portray the police. And I, I'm glad, Brandy, that you've seen it too. Regina King. Yes. Regina King is episode. So, if you like Nia Long as well, later on, and third watch, you're also gonna find an awesome female character, Regina King. She's done the same. Actually, she's played along uh, Neil Long in some movies. Well, she so. was in Regina King, Definitely. I believe, was also in 24. If I'm not mistaken, uh, I've seen Regina King a I lot of things. I love Regina King. Like I, I'm she's with... in uh, one of the uh, ABC. She's in the ABC series. Uh, I forgot, but yeah, she's huge right now. So if you if you like her acting, what well, Southland is. Yeah. She was in 24. <laughs> so okay, I just Googled it. I, I, was, I, was, I was like thinking, like, she was definitely in 24, I swear. And 
Yeah, she was. I mean, 24, outside of Third Watch. Third Watch is my favourite show of all time. Uh, 24 is my second favourite show of all time. So uh, it's kind of, you know, going back to when we say Kim Raver eventually leaves Third Watch to go to my second favourite show of all time, 24. So, yeah, there we go. Bosco and Yoko, we've talked that up. We might do that every now and then, Brandy. We'll just be like... How awesome are Sully and Davis? You know, how awesome is Carlos and Doc? And maybe we might even utter the words, how awesome is Jimmy? Uh, <laughs> so, we will. Yeah. We will. Don't worry. We like Jimmy. You know, we and you know, and like, and we might give you some snippets of an, a later on episode, like just to keep you pumped to like keep on tuning in and like staying with the show because... I mean, you don't want to miss it. Well, I mean, let's I mean, go back. Brandy, to- Brandy, as we've alluded to so many times, when when uh, Sergeant Cruz comes around, let's let's just say I think you and I need to get made T-shirts that say hashtag Team Cruz because I uh, I feel that back when Third Watch was a thing and Third Watch was talked about again, fans often would always say Sergeant Cruz is the moment this show jumped the shark, and I completely disagree. I can pinpoint. Not an exact moment, but I can pinpoint a point of this show that jumped the shark. Sort of a period of the show. And Sergeant Cruz had been an established character a good one and a half, two seasons at that point. So, uh, yeah. Let's get those t-shirts made, Brandy. Let's sit here in the future when we get to season three with our hashtag Team Cruz t-shirts. You're going to love Sergeant Cruz. I think, like, once we start talking about Sergeant Cruz, you're going to be, like, all for her. Because, I mean... I think a lot of people just automatically judge her because Faith was such a good, she's such a good officer, and they're so used to, like, the goody-good. Sergeant Cruz is not that innocent now, don't, like Faith don't, is. Don't spoil, know, but, don't spoil in terms of their storyline. Yeah. <laughs> true, true, true. No, 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 no. I'm not going to go in details, but I'm just saying I think that's why they were... I can uh, see why Cruz oh. was disliked. I can. You but... Know, she wasn't innocent. I, I mean, that's no secret. But the thing you know, the but thing I'm is, not going to tell like, why she wasn't so innocent, but... And look, we're, we're jumping yeah. way ahead here, but way off topic. But I, I will say, yeah. a lot of kind of what I feel the reason why Cruz was disliked is she's very much almost like the female Bosco, but with a little bit more of an edge to her. And to me, a lot of that, that hatred came down purely for the fact that she was a female. And... I don't generally like playing that card. I'm not one to kind of, you know, try and play the gender card or that sort of thing. But I definitely feel there was a lot of her being a woman that caused a lot of fans to not like her. I agree with you, Ben, because I usually don't play the race card or the female card either. Like, me and you have agreed on a lot of stuff like this that could be, like, a female card or, like, a race card. But, you know, we don't usually do that. And so I agree with the uh, Sergeant Cruz, you know. I mean, I'm just excited, but we're getting off topic. Oh, wait a topic. Look, again, we're two seasons ahead. We're two seasons sort of going this. We will talk about stay it. Stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. Just stay tuned because, you know, once Sergeant Cruz, hey, we got your back. Absolutely. <laughs> Tia, we got Absolutely. your back. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> we're still at the beginning of the episode. Actually, one thing I just will say on the Bosco Yoka scene in the car, I love Yoka's impersonating Fred. When he's like, you know what I had didn't do today, honey? I've got to have a beer. Oh, what did oh, I have to do today? I've okay. got to have a beer. <laughs> I just love it. Like her, I just love that part to the fullest because she does. She's so important. She's like, you know what I do? <laughs> I can't even do it like she did because her her accent comes out with that, and she's like has a deeper voice because she's trying to yeah. mock her husband. It's, so <laughs> it's just hilarious. It's so funny. I wish we could play you guys a snippet, but you know, copy. copy oh, look, if this was any other show we used to do in the past, we'd easily like, we'd have quotes galore in these episodes. But obviously, we're trying to play by the rules this time around. But um, yeah. Yeah, it's um oh it's so good. It's so good. Um but okay, so we now cut to uh they've got their job to go to and we meet remember from a few episodes the guy who took a dump in their car? Well he's back. And um 
the homeless guy is having an argument with a what is he like a bellboy? What what do you call those people? A doorman. That's a doorman. doorman. Thank you. Yeah. Um. So obviously we've had this disagreement because this homeless guy is kind of always yelling and abusing people, but this doorman has hit him in the head with a hammer. I do love Yokus's reaction, which is like you hit him in the head with a hammer. You don't just go around hitting people with hammers. Uh, so you you really are feeling for this homeless guy all of a sudden. You're like, well, hey, who cares that he took a dump in their car? Like, well, all things. Like, he hit him in the head with a hammer. Like, where do you, first of all, where'd you get the hammer? Yeah. We just, I mean, what made you grab a hammer and hit someone in the head with it? Like, I'm sorry, but push him or something. But don't hit him in the head with a hammer. Like, you just went to, like, manslaughter, like, or murder right there when he got a hammer and just hit someone in the back of the head. It's interesting, this scene, because it's kind of, again, one of these sort of real conflicting ones where you're really kind of on the homeless guy's side here. And, it, like, first of all, before we get to what happens here, Bosco's reaction. Like, Bosco is just brilliant here. Like, oh, look, it's a guy who took a dump in our squad. And what does he say? Like, yeah, he's got bladder problems. Then he's like, hey, Stinky, you want to press charges? <laughs> <laughs> and press charges on me, like... <laughs> I just... Well, it's, it's, it's horrible, but it's this- funny. <laughs> It speaks on it because this is real. It's like, he's like, push charges on me because in New York, I know, like, I love to, I want to move there eventually, but I've heard, like, you know, the Upper East Side is where you find, I wonder if this is actually filmed the Upper East Side, you know, I wonder. Uh, because was, I know this is where you, I will interrupt you there and just say it was filmed a lot in Queens uh, because, yeah, I did, I, I think I did mention, didn't I, that I went out to where they filmed the firehouse and everything, and when I went across to that area, uh, as soon as I got off the subway and you were walking around that neighbourhood, you instantly are like, I'm in third watch because you just feel that vibe of where they so, film like, it. So, like, this hotel scene is probably in Queens. Look, I think they spread it. Look, I don't think it was exclusively done in Queens. I think because the thing with third watch that I think if you pay attention, like, if you've been to New York and you know anything about New York, it's kind of it's done in a way that it's not really geographically correct. So, for example, you know, King and Arthur do not intersect each other. So, there is no such area of New York where they intersect. But it's kind of like... A lot of the time, if you're looking at kind of like the skyline of it, you're seeing, you know, the Empire State Building, all these buildings in the distance, which implies it's in one of the boroughs outside of Manhattan. But then there are scenes that are done clearly in Manhattan. So I think they take a bit of creative licensing for New York in terms of there's not a specific section. So the 55th Precinct also does not exist in New York. So it's kind of, it's, it's, I guess, again. I'm down about that. Well, believe me, believe me, I was exactly the same because like, I think I'm again, I'm probably recycling all these storylines, but like every time I've been to New York, one of the things I always do is get a photo taken with an NYPD officer. Because again, I'm obsessed with the NYPD. I have I have NYPD t-shirts, I have NYPD hoodies, I have an NYPD. Like when we get to the raid scene and they're wearing those NYPD jackets, I've got one of them because after being obsessed with this show, and when funnily enough, talking about crews, so like later on when we kind of get you know the anti-crime uh, storyline, and they've got those really cool NYPD jackets. I was like to my mum, I'm like, mum, I need one of those jackets. So we found one online and I've got one. So anyway, but yeah, it's, I think kind of, this is, it's just a TV show. This is one of those real TV show things that like, yeah, it's never going to stick true to a specific area of the city. So, uh, this could clearly be the Upper East Side. I don't know. I didn't go to the Upper East Side. I couldn't quite afford to stay there. Um, but yeah. I wouldn't want to stay there. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not. I went to 5th Avenue, which is kind of very upmarket, like when you got Tiffany's and the Plaza Hotel and dreaded Trump Tower now. Like, I've been to that area of New York, but yeah. You know, I love, you know, New York. But, I mean, it's funny because, like, the, oh, speaking of Durman, it's like, because I'm moving downtown, uh, downtown where I'm from, actually, soon. 
And uh, the Dermot, it's funny because how people treat the homeless people down there is different than how it is over where I'm at now. Mm. And so I love this episode because it's like also realistic as well. And it's like you got Dermot who's just like, well, he's kind of lower than my people. Like he's bugging the people here. Like, you know, he's a little bit lower than us. And the guy was like, well, they're laughing at me. They're always laughing at me. And he's like, at one point, he ain't gonna be laughing anymore. <laughs> well, it's, and I was, it's, a, it's an Ameri- It's a very American thing. I mean, I, I mean, we have doormen, doorwomen, door door people. If we're being politically correct in Australia, yeah. I'm sure, but you don't see them. Like, as in, it's it. That's a very American thing. That's not an Australian thing. We definitely don't really have that style of it here. Um, and I guess even like with our homeless population in our biggest cities, it's kind of it's not as, um, how would I put this? Not as open you don't see them as much as you do in america uh you see them but it's different if that makes sense just a quick question how's it is it t- how's the tipping over over there do you guys no, tip a lot it's not a well? thing it's no no not at all this is this is one thing culturally that i always find interesting when i go to america is that yeah we're not a tipping yes. culture um i mean look you can it's not that you can't do it but it's not expected here i know but i get it I just no, because I know like here, like when you go on vacation in America, I mean tipping oh, takes yeah. up a big part. I mean, I'm not complaining, but because I, but it takes up takes up a big part. Like I don't even want to order. Well, different different cult. I think the real the different aspect in terms of that really comes down to wages. Uh, you know, we have I guess quite a high wage in Australia. So like if you learn from people in Australia that you're getting paid like twenty two, twenty three dollars an hour, that's fairly standard in Australia. Like that's not a lot of money. But an American hears that, they're like, holy fuck, you guys must be rich. But it's like, it's not because also cost of living in Australia. We're a very expensive country. If you visit Australia, you'll see a lot of our prices and go, holy fuck, you guys are dear. But it's also our dollar's not quite worth as much as yours as well. So the exchange rate, you would get more value for your money than I do when I go to America. But having said that, once I have money in America, I think I'm like, everything to me is super cheap. So yeah, but then tipping comes. No, I hear you. I mean, like, I love traveling here. I just know, like, in America, it's kind of hard. For, like, ordering pizza, you're just like, well, I don't, if I don't have my tip, you don't want to order it because, you know, you kind of yeah. want to tip your driver. I always tip. I always feel like I have and, to tip. But I, but I find brandy, too, is that when it comes to tipping, I very rarely come across rude customer service in America. Like, because to me, everywhere I go, whether it be a, a restaurant, a bar, you know, wherever, the customer service is always second to none. And it's not that fake customer service. It's it's genuine. Whereas in Australia, I will say our customer service, you just can't match it. And it's it's a case, I don't know if that comes down to the fact they don't need to work for tips. But if you go, if you like a really simple example for this is the way I easily describe it to people. If you go to a bar in America, you have a waiter or a waitress come to you. They're your server for the night. They're coming back and forth to you like, hey, what can I bring you drinks? Blah, blah, blah. Like, you don't have to leave your seat in America. It's fantastic. Whereas like we're in Australia, yep, you've got to keep going up to the bar. If you want to drink, you go to the bar. They don't come to you. You've got to go to them. They don't the tips because like here people pay their bills like and me i have a t- it depends because i've had some rude customer service not so much and like if it's really excellent i'll tip even more especially during the holidays i tip even like i'll tip double than my usually tip you know depending on what it is especially because it's hard during the holidays but i mean most part like you said a lot of them realize like they have bills but the tips actually help them pay those bills as well they don't just get you know a lot of people live off the tips alone, and so, you know, <laughs> I, I get it. I will say, I will apologise formally to America for the times that I haven't tipped when I didn't know I had to. Like, there was a time recently when I was in Atlanta and I got a haircut. I had no idea I was meant to tip the hairdresser. I got back in the car and my friend was kind of like, oh, so, you know, talking to me about it. And they're like, oh, did, how much did you tip them? And I'm like, oh, was I meant to tip them? And they're like, oh, my God, Ben, you didn't. Like, it was the, the worst thing. I'm like, killed this person's dog. And I'm like, what? What did I do wrong? And like, Ben, you've got to tip them. And I'm like, 
she cut my hair. But <laughs> I didn't realize I had to tip her. <laughs> okay, I didn't always tip. There's times like when I had some shitty customer service and I didn't tip at all. But now I have a scale. Like, if you're really shitty, though, like, you just, you don't do anything. You act like I'm just... I just ruined your day for coming in. You know, I'm just one extra person that shouldn't have been there. I'll give you a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, look, there, there have been times when I've legitimately only had a dollar on me and I feel horrible because that's the only cash yeah, I've got. Absolutely. But um, anyway, we, 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 we can do an episode. <laughs> We're really getting sidetracked. No, no, no. Let's get back, let's we, get back to we, it. We, we just, can yeah, do an episode talking about this. Hello, everybody listening. Hope you're enjoying uh, the American-Australian differences in culture. Uh, we, back in the scene with Stinky Guy, that sounds mean, but basically you go from feeling sorry for him to kind of thinking, whoa, dude, you went a little bit too far because he sets this guy on fire. Yes. <laughs> so, it won't be laughing at me now. Is that what he says? Yeah. he becomes a bit, and I, I, look, I'll be honest with you. I forgot that we got to see this guy again. I thought that was it when we kind of shat in their car, but the, here he is again. So, uh, But, yeah, this is, I'm pretty sure, now the last time we're seeing because he's in jail because he just tried to kill someone and he's showing no remorse at all. Um, they were laughing at him. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not gonna. Lie, I kind of laughed at the scene. I know it's is is messed up, but when he said they're not laughing, he won't be laughing at me no more. And then he's like, boom. Yep. <laughs> I was like, holy crap. Pretty full on. <laughs> um, from there, we kind of just have a few sort of throwaway scenes, kind of setting some stuff up. So we've got uh, Kim and Bobby driving around, and you know, Kim's sort of saying, you know, it's right to be questioning Maddie about the uh, the money. You know, because it's kind of, you know, of his background. I do like uh, that, you know, we sort of mentioned, I think, last episode, dating it when Sully had a pager or when was that two episodes ago. Um, this one kind of dating it now when Kim's sort of like talking about how amazing technology is and how she basically points out that buying CDs off the internet is so amazing. And it's kind of like, it's just second nature now, isn't it? Like, it's, that's not, a, that's just what we do. Whereas back in 1999, clearly it was still kind of like, fuck, we can buy things off the internet. <laughs> oh man, I, it's crazy how things have changed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then, sort of, we we cross to uh, Doc and Carlos. Uh, Carlos is doing his homework, and I love Doc. What does Carlos say? Like, can you drive a little bit, you know, gentler? And then I love, always love Doc's line. Sorry, I guess I should have brought the Lexus today. <laughs> It's just like, it's funny. I never, like, it's just hearing a grown man say homework or something. Yeah. And he keeps laughing about it. It's like, you don't think that's funny. It kind of reminds me of Sally and Davis a few episodes when, you know, he's all like, oh, I'm trying to get into your mum's pants. And he's all like, oh, that's not funny. That's not funny. Whereas, like, Doc's kind of like, you don't think that's funny? And Carlos is like, no, no, it's not funny. This is homework. This is serious. <laughs> but uh, what's, what's Doc's line when he says, oh, so if you pass, do you get a smiley face or a gold star? <laughs> Oh, God. And also, going on dating this episode, can we put out the cell phones? My God, how big are those things? <laughs> we talked about how they don't have cell phones in this anymore, but, you know, we hear a phone ring. Carlos gets his out. It's a brick. And then Doc gets his out. It's a brick. <laughs> Oh, man. I grew up playing with those cell phones because yes. they don't longer pop. I remember when my mum and dad first got... I mean, we call them mobile phones here, but I mean, I'll still say cell phones. It's the same thing. Um, I remember when my parents got their first phones and just... I remember sitting in the lounge room with them and how amazing they were. Like, and this is, you know, you got to look back and this, this is when phones had like two ringtones. You couldn't text message on them. Um, and it was, you know, back in the good old days too when you could turn your phone off and it would charge itself. You know, like, do you remember phones wow. that did those? I remember those phones. I was, I don't know. I, I, I only played with the phone. It was in my friend's toy box. Her <laughs> mom had a phone, I guess. And then it was a toy 
box and I used to play and now, and now we literally just live off the damn things. It's kind of, it's weird if you don't have one. Like, I've met people who don't have a mobile or a cell phone and I'm like, dude, what's wrong with you? Like, how do you not have a phone? Like, <laughs> There's times I don't want mine. Like, I got a month about a cell phone just because I wanted to take a break from everyone. And I've like, I was like, I my SIM card out and I was like, I don't want a phone anymore. <laughs> like, it's, it's, I've done it for like a weekend before and it's kind of it's an interesting feeling now but uh, anyway so basically from this point uh, Doc finds out his dad's been taken to hospital uh, so that's kind of we're going to meet Doc's dad for the first time we'll get to that meanwhile we cut to uh, is it Sully and Davis they're at a robbery a guy basically has been held up he's been locked in a room all night uh, basically just gives the description it's three Hispanic guys um, that's, that's pretty much it and that's kind of going to lead us to a bit around Bobby and, and Maddie at some point um, we also then meet our best friend, Malcolm, who we know clearly a lot about. <laughs> um, and I, I'm telling you, I was like, am I tripping? Yeah. I really thought I was tripping. I, was, I paused it and I went back an episode just to make sure I was like, then I was going to hit you up. Like, did I miss it? But then I was like, well, but then I was like, I don't know. No, it happens to me every time. No matter how many times I watch Third Watch, I always get to this episode. I see that and I think, oh, I've missed an episode. I've like skipped ahead. But like, no, it, you haven't. So here's Malcolm, our best friend. And just basically, what does he even say here? He's just kind of talking to Where? Sully about that. And then kind of we, we learn that uh, sort of this raid that they're going on because they're going after the bookie Sunder Walker. And then sort of Sully laughs it up and says, oh, you know, your boy's going to go to juvie because, you know, he runs numbers for, for Sundle. So kind of this will lead Davis to kind of trying to, to save the day. Um, we then go to the hospital where we see Doc and his dad and, you know, his dad's overdosed accidentally, apparently. Got up in the middle of the night, took the wrong pills. Uh, kind of, you know, at this point it seems accidental. Just a really quick little throwaway thing I want to point here. I love Carlos and Morales. The way Carlos is just like, so how you doing, <laughs> to Morales? <laughs> I just always like that little scene. Uh, but it's a nice little scene. We meet Doc's dad, you know, kind of. Yeah, this is, this is again, this is where this episode... It's just so hard now that I've really pointed out the tragedy of Doc Parker because, like, it's kind of one of these things, isn't it, that you know what happened and it's like... You're thinking, oh, he's Doc's dad, awesome. Doc's family. Doc's still got some loved ones out there. You know, he's not completely alone. And then it's just like, oh, it just makes me sad thinking about it. Because, like, this is, again, just on the path to Doc's terrible storyline, the fact that just everything just keeps going to shit for him. So... <laughs> I, I do love this scene, though. Oh, I mean, yeah. I just love oh, this. Yeah. I, not take away from this scene. I mean, yeah, no, 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 I love this. Because, like, you don't see a lot of... I mean, I don't know. But a lot of grown men are like, oh, well, I don't do hugs. Or, like, they don't show emotion. I just love this, like, scene where Doc is just like... You gotta be careful, Dad's like, just get off your chest. Tell you know, and he's just like, You gotta be careful. And he grabs his his dad's chin, like, just be careful. You know, I just love that. I love that, you know, it just shows another side of Doc that he's just so wise and just so different than all his co workers, you know, and like I, I keep forgetting that Michael Beach is not that old. I think Doc is like fifty here. Yeah, look, <laughs> I, like think, 40, I think his like, character's probably meant to be in his thirties, late thirties, I'd say, early forties. I'd, I'd say thirties. I'd say late thirties. Like I mean, 50s. Michael Beach. I, I mean, he'd be in his fifties by now, wouldn't he? But um, spe- special note, we should mention here the actor Ossie Davis, who, who's playing his dad, a very well, obviously established, esteemed actor. Uh, sadly died in 2005 but um, you know I mean he's just been in so many things and that's where we get I think this might be the very first time we get at the beginning of this episode special guest star Ossie Davis so I think that's the first time we see a special guest star sort of note in Third Watch so uh, I mean I remember I remember uh, Dr. Doolittle I think he played 
did he play Eddie Murphy's dad in Doctor Doolittle? I'm trying to think if that was his character. Um, but I mean, look, I'm just singling out one role. Like he's been in lots of things. You know, I'm just looking here, going all the way back to where are we? Where does he even begin? 1950 was his very first role. So, um, yeah. Steamed actor, Ossie Davis. So there you go. There's actually there's an Australian actress. She's Tasmanian, actually, from my state. I've interviewed her too before. She's known as Essie Davis. So um, there you go, Ossie and Essie Davis. <laughs> oh, wow. okay. Thought I'd point that out. <laughs> um, but anyway, so we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, we, we get, uh, what are we, back to Sully and Davis kind of walking around talking. You know, Davis is... Um, worried about Malcolm, uh, and I, I like kind of again to sort of date this. You know, it's, actually, it's not really dating it. It just kind of feels a bit strange now because, like, this is pre nine eleven at the moment. So when Sully turns around and says, "Like, oh, it's not like we're going after terrorists at this point." Like, I mean, that would have just barely been a line in nineteen ninety nine because you know, I mean, terrorists were a thing, but it's obviously not like everyday thing like it is now in 2017 to date when we're recording this so uh just got a little throwaway there they're in this coffee shop um and basically we see davis capturing um what this guy one of the suspects he believes from the robbery because he's got the cast in his hand and the the tattoo on his neck was one of the descriptions i do like it when sully kind of comes around the corner and he's like take it i missed something and then he kind of gives that little quip those are bad for you you know the cigarettes I, just, I love that. You know what it reminds me of, though? The hot dog scene. Yes. It seems like every time Stolly's about to get lunch, <laughs> something that Davis catches somebody, and he's just like, come on. I thought he was going to throw a bag of chips on the yeah, ground. Yeah. <laughs> just like the hot well, dog. true. Based on what he's done in the past before with just throwing his food out, should he just be like, ah, fuck, can't eat these now. We've caught a perp. He's going to like, oh. <laughs> Well, I do love that. He's like, those are bad for you. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a good point, actually. Um, from there, though, we kind of, it's, I forgot that this was this episode. I really did because i mean once you've seen this episode you remember this episode for this storyline but i forgot it was this one so um we get bosco and yokes have been called to this building they're gonna go up the stairs and bosco is obviously complaining that hey why don't we have an elevator in this building you know it's you know we're in this age where we should have elevators we see this little old lady and she's basically saying oh you know my little girl she needs help and we're like okay this is interesting you know bosco sort of says like hey cool call the paramedics so Jokas goes forward and Bosco's kind of taken aback by the fact that we look in the kitchen and we've just got like a bakery going on in the kitchen. There's donuts and pastries and just everything. And I love Bosco's like, got enough to eat line that he says. And then you hear Jokas sort of say, bars. And then we go in there and uh, here is this extremely obese lady. She's in the bed. Uh, and then we get this mother who's like, you know, it's my baby, my baby girl. And just the shock on their face. Well, um, she's like... Yeah, my little girl, my little girl, you're thinking like a seven and six year old, and then you see that food, and you're like, um, something's up, you know? And <laughs> yeah, you see this lady who's just. It's very, this it's, is a very- it's, I think it's interesting how this is handled this episode with this, because I mean, obviously, we'll, we'll talk about this, uh, more kind of as this story develops, but, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's sad because, like, this type of thing obviously happens in real life, like, you know, with that sort of stuff, and it does, re- like, we're doing a, um, Obviously, we're doing a Nip Tuck rewatch at the same time as doing this. And there is a very similar episode of Nip Tuck around, a you know, a very large lady who kind of is homebound and, and you know, sick. Very, very similar. 
Um, so kind of like these, whenever I see this episode and that episode, it just always reminds me of each other. Um, but yeah. And like, I've just actually, cause I, I was wondering if this woman actually was like, is this really her? Was this like all makeup or anything? But kind of what I'm seeing here based on, uh, IMDB, basically the only credit for her, Tina was her name, if I'm not mistaken. So the actress here is listed as simply Sophie K. That's all it says. And she's only ever been in third watch and she was in something called Casta Divorce in 1991 so there really is nothing more on her so i'm assuming that she really is that size and this was basically oh, well, it doesn't look like a no body costume like it really it really looks like it's her and i thought that too and i was like well i wonder if it was her you know and again this is a definitely a touching scene but this is real life i mean you see the shows you see shows like this all the time you know and i mean you know, and they get into, like, you know, Faith and Kim is like, you're a mom, you know, would you let your kid, you know, get like that, and, and I mean, I can relate to the show a little bit, because it's like, my son does karate, for instance, and I watch his, uh, weight, and there's some kids, there's like this neighbor next door who doesn't watch her kid's weight, and she looks, she gives me the nastiest look when I talk about my son doing karate, and I gotta watch his, like, milk, like, cow's milk, I search for almond milk, and it's just like it's it's definitely it's definitely tough, you it's, know. Just yeah, kinda... and look, I've I've always been I've always been overweight. That's kind of just been my thing in my life. I've always struggled with my weight, and it's 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 something that I feel like it's. And look again, we're not going to get too sidetracked in terms of talking about this as sort of a serious issue, but it, I, I I kind of feel it's it's an interesting sort of thing society has, and it's kind of shown through these characters, isn't it? About people who are overweight or sort of are obese because it's it's, the the first thing that's always assumed is well look you did that yourself like automatically like you're fat just lose weight like that's always the implication and it's not that simple i mean look we don't there's not really a whole lot around this storyline all we get to see is the fact that she just is feeding her so many bad foods so it's implied but it's never kind of you know as uh, is it kim who says it or something like that like she could have a thyroid problem she could have this she could have that but um, yeah i think bosco was like saying some like that was that line when then you said a couple episodes ago where obviously, uh, you know, Kim's like, one time, boss, one time. Um, just think, you know, you think know before and, you speak. And, you know, and we're not going to get into it, but I just like this because, you know, again, about this show, it touches on every topic, you know, and this topic, uh, I like that it touched on that because, like you said, like, it's real because, like, a lot of Americans, especially a lot of people in other countries, struggle with weight issues, you know? And I like that it touches on it, you know? And, and it's so well acted. It's so, If this Sophie Kay is, is a real, like, I mean, she's a real person. She's been in, like, two things. She's a great actress. Her her mum is, like, I mean, just, just, I guess, I don't even know how you would describe her. Like, I don't want to say crazy. She, that's not the right word to say. But she just she's just a devoted mother who clearly is, as she says, trying to make her happy. Um, clearly there's something that's kind of not there in her mind like there's yeah, something that she's just not, definitely yeah, like, she's, that's... Not, she's, not, she's not special she's not like crazy she just there's something not right this is like her baby she just has this like she doesn't understand like what she's doing is making her daughter sick she just wants her daughter to be happy yeah. like you know and some parents truly want their kids to be happy and they don't you know and and I guess that's what you this show know. does well, is it questions and kind of yeah. puts you in that place. Like, you know, you was yeah, like, Kim, you're a mum. Like, would you let Joey get this way? Like, it's kind of, it's, there's a, there's a fine line really, isn't there, about like, look, you're a loving mum. But I mean, it's kind of like going back to a few episodes ago when we're hearing about Jimmy and, and Kim sort of talking about like, he's six, you can't always give them what they want. It's kind of going back to this, isn't it? Like, exactly. you can't always give your kids what you want. You've got to be a mum sometimes. You've got to be a parent and kind of put your foot down. 
it's real life. And then this is real life because I had a conversation, like I said, with a different neighbor about this. Because, like, again, my son does karate. And I don't let him drink cow's milk as much because when he does, he, he gets more, because he's solid. And he gets, he puts on more weight. So I should show almond milk, you know, just to keep him fit for karate. You know, but when I talk to other parents whose kids are, like, overweight, they don't watch what they eat, I get these nasty looks. So it's one of those, like, cop topics. Yeah. You know, weight is always a sensitive topic. And I like that it touched on it. Like, not, I like it I like it that it had both sides. There was no, like, she did it to herself. There was, like, it made you think. And that's really what it comes down to. And that's all we really got to say is, like, it just it has both sides. And it's yeah, interesting. Yeah, for sure. You know? For sure. Uh, we cut sort of out of this. We get um, a very rare occurrence, Sully and Bobby talking together. I always get excited when we kind of see characters interacting that don't really get a lot. Like I, I talked about that the other episode with Davis and Yokus. Uh, and this might, again, be the only time Sully and Bobby ever interact. Um, so I like Bobby's little throwaway line, like, what are you doing this side of the DMZ? Um, so basically, Sully's kind of saying, like, hey, we we, pulled, we found three guys pulled a job. You know, this guy, he's hanging around with your brother. Uh, you know, there's another guy that's a suspect. It could be your brother. He doesn't say it is your brother. He's just basically saying it could be, like, go and talk to him before the detectives track him down. So, of course, you know, we get Bobby, obviously, you know, he's straight away like, shit, here he goes again. Um, then kind of cut back to... Uh, yeah, so we have an ad break, essentially. Bobby then goes into this shop where his brother's been working to find out that his brother's quit. It's kind of like, what, a, a hi-fi store, I guess, when they were a thing back in the 90s. Um, and I like the, the, the douchey boss guy who's like, oh, did he tell you where he's going? Oh, sorry, I forgot to put him on my email list after he just walked out on me. <laughs> um, which I guess, fair enough. Like, I mean, if a guy just walked out in a job like that, you're not going to, you know, be happy about it. Um, I just like it, though. <laughs> she was like, I forgot to put him on my email I, I like it, it's, it's funny. But then we kind of get, obviously, at this point, we go back to Davis and Sully. Davis is obviously worried about Malcolm, so he's, he's trying to come up with an excuse here. So he's, like, saying, like, oh, let's go to this place for lunch. And Sully's like, that's 15 blocks away. And he's just like, oh, but they've got good fries. You know, they're crunchier. Uh, so it's kind of like, okay, cool. We'll, um, we'll be interested and we'll find that out, where that's going. Cut back to Bobby. He finds your bestie Mikey from a couple of episodes ago. At least, not the guy who was doing the bang, but like the his sidekick. Uh, and basically, where's my brother? And then Mikey just says, "Look, I don't know." The obviously the bang guy. I can't remember his name, but uh, he obviously wanted to get involved in more jobs. So uh, Mikey's saying he was out of it. I don't want anything to do with it. So kind of, you know, he's like, "I ain't lying. I ain't lying." Um, then we get Doc's dad's house, uh, nice little scene with Carlos, kind of like, oh, no, your mum's beautiful, and asking about his dad to see any action, and we get the, the, um, the, check out that fro, dude, what are you, part of the Jackson 5? Um, so, <laughs> I like that bit, and then I also like the fact that, you know, we kind of get a bit more to Carlos, because all these things to do with Carlos's background, I just kind of feel like little side hints. Like, Carlos doesn't like to talk about himself, but he always has to bring it up, obviously, for obvious reasons when somebody asks him about his past. So, like, Doc says, like, oh, don't you have any embarrassing pictures of you when you were 12? And Carlos is like, well, no. No one gave a damn enough about me to take a picture. So, it's kind of like, oh, okay. Uh, just, damn. Yeah. I get it. Because it's like, I got through that in real life and it sucks. Like, I've ha- I was, I have pictures, though. Like I said, I was adopted eventually. It wasn't the best. I mean, it was... But, I mean, I do it because it's, so, it's so awkward. So, it's like, oh, you going to your parents' house? I'm like, oh, I don't really, I don't have parents. You know, it's just, it's, it kind of Well, it's, 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 kind of, it's, it's kind of like, and this is, I guess, a strange thing to relate to it in, in some aspects. But, like, I guess from my personal standpoint in terms of what I've experienced recently, uh, you know, my mum has passed away in the last uh, six or so months. So, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's when that topic of conversation comes up when somebody will mention something about, like, oh, your mum or your parents. And you're kind of like, oh, my mum just died. So, it's kind of, it's, it's like, yeah. yeah it is. It's 
it's it's awkward. Yeah, so you can relate to it. Yeah. Like my uh, my adopted mom. We weren't. I didn't really. She was my. I call her more of a foster mom. She she passed away in two thousand ten, and like my my adopted dad was more close to. But he got sick when I was eight, like with dementia and stuff, and he passed away in two thousand sixteen last year. And so people were like, and I'm twenty, you know, twenty six, and so. I lost my mom at 19. So people were like, oh, your mom, like, you know, when I was in college, like, oh, your parents or your mom must be proud. And I'm like, um, <laughs> so I get it. It's kind of awkward because you do got to bring it up because you don't want to, you know, sometimes I'll just shake my head. Yes. But if they keep like bringing stuff yeah. like that up. Yeah. Yeah. You for know, sure, for sure. Uh, but anyway, so we, we then, uh, they're looking for, I guess, his father's medication to take to the hospital and some clothes. And we discover that the bottle of medication is actually next to his dad's bed and it's empty and it's a brand new prescription. So of course, this is Doc's questioning like, okay, what's going on here? He said he, you know, got up in the middle of the night and accidentally overdosed. So we'll get to that. Uh, meanwhile, cut back to Davis and Sully. They've gone to this restaurant that Davis was so keen for the fries. And all of a sudden, he wants to go around the corner and get a CD. So Sully's like, okay. Um, so we'll we'll get back to that. Sort of back to the uh, Tina's house, and this is the whole one-time Boscarelli think, don't talk scene. We get everything that. My favourite bit of this whole sequence is Jimmy. Here's Jimmy. Jimmy's got to do something in an episode every now and then. And Jimmy sort of, what does he first say? Like, oh, what are you doing there, Boz? Are you modelling the uniform or actually working? So then all of a sudden they're like, oh, we need you to help move a patient. And then Jimmy's reaction, like, Bobby, like, why do you make it so easy for me to make fun of you? And then they kind of like split part, and he's just like, "Whoa!" So I love that. I love that scene because Bobby and Kim look at you like, "Let's just show him." Yeah. <laughs> and he's just and, like, "Oh!" And the line, which again, this has got to go back to a saying about Bosco before, like he's he's lied before when he said, like, you know, uh, "Do you want to press charges, Stinky?" Like it's horrible, but it's funny. But just like this throwaway line, which I shouldn't laugh at, but when they're like, "Any ideas?" and Bosco's like, "Put her on a diet and wait till spring." <laughs> I love it, you know, and I just think that's what I think that's what makes this show awesome. Like Bosco's just he brings the right humor to it because like a lot of these topics they deal with are serious, and then you have Bosco, and it's just like those we all I think we all know like a little bit of Bosco in our lives. We all know someone who could be like a little bit of Bosco, you know. They say something inappropriate, and we're just like, shut up. Oh, that's the thing. Like, you've got the, you're saying inappropriate things. And I guess, like, again, 2017, 1999, like, this definitely would get a lot more questions raised than it did in 1999. But, like, I mean, let, let's be honest. Before you kind of jumping down Bosco's throat this episode, uh, he does redeem himself very soon. So, it's kind of, it's, it's not a... Bosco is a douche episode, and I mean, it's just Bosco in general. But uh, they basically have to. The only way they can they work out their plans. The only way they can get this woman out is that you know, like, there's no elevator. They can't put her on a side, take her out. So they're basically gonna have to rip a wall out and uh, rig up uh, an apparatus on the roof and kind of carry her down. So that's guess what we we learn from this sequence. Come back to Sully. Uh, he's waiting for Davis. He's eating, and then we see Davis finding Malcolm. This is what he doesn't really want to see. He's telling Malcolm, basically saying, like, you know, we've got some Knicks tickets. Come to the garden tonight. Uh, you know, we'll check out the game. Obviously, he's doing this to get him not going to Sunder Walker's house because we obviously discovered that he was going to be at this house and was going to go to Juvie. So, in essence, Davis is protecting him, but obviously there's a bit of an implication to him doing this a little bit. Can I just say it does make Davis David Davis does piss me off a little bit at the end, but we'll get to that. I look forward to hearing your thoughts on that for sure. Um, 
We go back to the house. Bobby is uh, on the phone. Why have I written? Oh, that's right, because he's on the phone trying to find out his brother. And, and we get a Bobby Yokus scene. We don't really get Bobby and Yokus ever interacting. So there we go. Um, and then she's walking around offering cookies. Uh, she's a great actress. Uh, I think her name is saying listed here. Her name's Raina. Marilyn Chris is her name. The way she's like, oh, I've got cookies. I've got waffles. Fresh. All fresh. Like, she's really, she's a really good actress. She's very sweet. Oh, my gosh, she is. She's just a sweet, she plays it so good because she's a sweet lady who really doesn't understand, you know, she's, you know, she kind of reminds me of, like, somebody who, like, slipped through the cracks with her kid. Like, they needed, like, an extra, like, social worker in the family. Yeah, oh, for sure. You know, yeah. and just, you know what I mean? It's just, she's so, she's such a great, because she's just like, I just want to make her happy. And Faith tries to talk to her, like, but he, because she's, like, trying to offer her daughter cake and cookies while she's going through this medical crisis. And it's, she just, it's, she's a great actress. Because you really think this is real. Because people out there, like, right, just like that, who don't understand that, comprehend it. Definitely. You know? And that's a, that's a similar thing, I think, to the one I was saying, comparing it to the Nip Tuck episode. If people are wondering what episode that is, it's called Mama Boone. It's the first episode of the third season, which we haven't gotten to yet on our coverage of it, but we're, we're very close to it, actually. And that's a similar storyline. Like, uh, it's around a woman and, I guess, her husband, instead of, I guess, her mother or that. And, like, he's, I guess, a bit simple like something's not all there so it's kind of it's right around her being incredibly obese but i i do like the interaction they like yeah with yokus and and the mum, you know and she's you know this lady's just saying like i'm just trying to make my daughter happy and she's like well being a thousand pounds and not able to leave the room do you think that makes her happy so you know it's obviously the the questioning behind that uh come back to sully and davis uh davis returns he doesn't have a cd uh, and then Davis is like, oh, they didn't have it. Oh, I really wanted that CD. So then he orders a burger. <laughs> this is kind of funny because, like, obviously Davis went out of his way to go to this, quote, restaurant for the reason of fries, orders the burger, and then doesn't get the fries. I love it. But the best bit about this whole scene is Sully's face. Like, I don't know if you ever pay attention to it when, like, Davis says, like, oh, no, don't want the fries. They, you know, they help pack on the pounds. <laughs> and then Sully's like, me, 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 me face. <laughs> I know, I love that. I've seen it. I love it. Because he's just like, he, the whole thing, he's like, he packs on a pound. I just love it. Me, me, you know, me, me. I don't, this is what I don't get. Sally should, I think he knew something, I don't know if he knew something was up, if he really thought they was just going to see, but I'm just like, Sally been a cop for a while. Yeah, yeah, he never I mean, catches on, does he? And like, obviously right at the end. But I mean, it's just, I guess, kind of, you know, it's a realistic thing. You're on that job. Well, you- was, again, like you said, this is kind of random, this, this storyline with Malcolm. I mean, I mean, Davis went from being a partner of Sully, like, to everything he did, to suddenly, like, some, like, I don't know if he met his own, or how he met Malcolm, if he, like, rested him on his own, and Sully didn't know, I don't know, because I don't think he worked, he, he don't think he works by himself yet, he's still in his training and stuff like that, or whatever. Yeah, it's just, yeah. <laughs> well, the mystery, the third watch mystery of that. Uh, we then cut back to Doc and his dad. Uh, he confronts him about uh, the pills, about the overdose, and then we learn that, uh, yeah, Doc's dad, he wants to kill himself. He basically is just saying that, look, I've got nothing good ahead of me. And it's, it's a very sad, touching storyline in many ways because, like, obviously, you know, he's, he's an old man and he's basically saying every day from here on is getting worse and I've got nothing to live for and it's kind of... You know, it's it's very it's. This is kind of again the thing that we the third watch doesn't get a lot of credit for is it handles these storylines like they're very heavy storylines, um, and it's a good balance sort of around it. So um, we obviously we we get sort of Doc defending it, um, you know, sort of saying like not ending anything, you know, like uh, you know you're a little depressed, and then basically we get sort of the closing line there. You know, I'm tired of my life. I I don't want to do this. I want to die. You know, it's very heavy, very very heavy stuff to kind of go around this topic. 
Um, we cut back to the the apartment, and they've got the rig about to be set up in 30 minutes. Then they start ripping the wall out, and the mum, hey, hey, you're going to fix that, right? Which, like, I actually, honestly, am, I'm on the woman's side there, because, like, think about that right now, Brandy. If you had an emergency, and they had to knock down a wall, and you own your house, or whatever it is, like, the first thing you're thinking of is, like, hang on a minute, you're about to rip a fucking wall out. Like, okay, I understand it's an emergency, but, like, who covers that? Does the FDMY pay for that? Is that just on the onus of the owners? I mean, who 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 fixes the bill for that? I didn't even think about that. I just thought this was a really Jimmy just being a hot fireman. He was like, <laughs> just step back, man. You're, you're, just, you're just like, damn, he looks good destroying a wall. No, 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 mm. not even like that. I feel like, no, this was just like him being a stand-in, like just getting something to do because he's on a job. He has to have hours, you know, because it was just like a stand back, man. Like he was just a stand-in kind of thing he there was no like she was like who's gonna pay for that and it was like no interaction i just felt like it was just that like he was just put there because he's an actor he's a main character one of the main characters he just has to be on the set for it's, a bit i mean it's it's, 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 <laughs> it's kind of it's like it's ironic isn't it when jimmy uttered that line before like what are you doing are you modeling the uniform balls are you actually working it's like well jimmy pretty much all you've done in nine episodes of third watch is just model the uniform like you haven't really <laughs> that's, what, that's what i feel like right now and i feel like this was what that's what i meant like one of the like hot moments where he's just Stand back, ma'am. Like, you know, it's cliche. Which is, it's it's interesting because we, obviously as we discussed, I mean, Eddie Sibrian was written into it just basically because he tried out for Bosco, he walked through the corridors after trying out, didn't get the job, and everybody just thought he was sexy. So like, fuck, we need to put him on the show. So it's kind of like, I guess you can understand in a way why he doesn't have that much of a plot line because he just wasn't added on character. But at the same time, it's like, could you actually imagine Eddie Sibrian as Bosco? I could not imagine Eddie Sibrian as Bosco. <laughs> no, never. You know, this is one of those shows that they've made every decision right with the casting. Oh, definitely. And I don't, I think that truly played a large part in how successful this, sh- well, the show was. Like, like why I mean, because even though, like, it didn't get the recognition, it has a very loyal fan base in terms of, like, the fans. You know, like, this show was what, was 1999? Yeah. 99 so, to 2005. Yeah. And we're talking about now, like, it's brand new. We're loving it. We're getting, like you said, the downloads are coming in like crazy, like more than we thought. I mean, nearly twenty years later, Brandy, we're getting this show to get the coverage it deserves. <laughs> we're doing it, yes. the two of us. <laughs> um, but this scene, I guess, kind of besides the fact that he's destroying this woman's property, uh, this kind of leads back to what I was saying before about you know we get sort of payoff with Bosco, like he sort of sticks his head into to Tina and is just kind of like, you know, hey, you know, they're going to be there. And then we get this. It's just such a touching scene. I always forget this is there. It's kind of like going back to a few episodes ago with your favourite bit with the oops when he drops the guy, but, like, he's still kind of at least being sweet enough. Like, this is when Bosco really turns on the sweetness. And, like, you know, I love how he's kind of a bit awkward. He's like, oh, oh, you know, I, I should get Yokus. She's a woman, you know, woman bonding. And, you know, he's she's just kind of like, am I that disgusting? You don't want to look at me? And then, obviously, Bosco plays up and just kind of, you know, talks and helps her through it. And I think it's really sweet. Like, it's it's powerful the way kind of, like, you know, she's basically saying, like, um, what does he say? Like, oh, we'll brush your hair. We'll make you look. It's like, you know, look at me. Brushing my hair is not going to do anything. And the way she says, like, you know, would you date me? And I kind of, this is one of those moments where it's like, a lot of the time you just play along, don't you? You just, you tell a white lie, like, yeah, of course I would, you know, just to make them feel better. But this is what I think Bosco does it, like, the way he kind of looks and he just says, no. Like, and then straight away she's just like, well, you know, at least you're honest. Like, I mean, I guess that plays well into Bosco's character. Because, I mean, you kind of almost expect Bosco to say yes. Like, when he kind of said to that guy, like, you're a handsome guy. Whereas, like, you know, this time around he's just flat out like, no, I wouldn't date you. And I like it. I like this. 
I, that's why I like this show because it's different. It's you, like you said, you expect them to say yes. I would date you a verb, pretty, you know, like just soften her up until they get to the hospital and like boom, that's it. But this one, he was just like no. And she's like, well, at least you're honest, you know. And he, it was just different. I will say this. And he was like, we should have brushed your hair. I was like, that doesn't sound like Bosco, but <laughs> hey, different from Bosco. Oh, it's kind of awkward, but hey. Um, kind of before we sort of get the resolution of this sequence, uh, we just kind of get a cut back to Doc and Morales. This is really the first Doc Morales nice scene, isn't it? Like, we had a bit of Doc Morales conflict. This is kind of the first time I feel... This This to me is the episode where Doc and Morales connect. I'll just leave it at that, because, spoilerish alert, they connect a lot more. <laughs> that sounds a bit inappropriate. But, uh, so, like, obviously we get Doc sort of in the, what, the break room and says, like, to Morales, like, hey, can I talk to you? And just kind of implies about his dad, you know, or how did he seem when he came in? Did he seem depressed? And kind of, you know, just asking a few questions. And Morales is obviously questioning a little bit. And this is, I think, going back to what we said last episode, how Morales is, I guess, becoming more nicer. Uh, and then, you know, sort of doctors is like, oh, forget it. You know, it's all right, but we'll come back to that. Anyway, back to Tina's house and we get Bobby jumps on the, the rig, goes down with uh, Tina and kind of, you know, there she goes. Everybody's watching her. Like, I mean, you know, you could just see this would be a, a news story and kind of, you know, you feel sorry for her at this point, obviously, because everybody's like watching. For some reason, I've just, I've noted down here, for some reason, Carlos is there. <laughs> obviously, Doc's in the hospital with his dad, but... Carlos is there, everybody. He's doing something. <laughs> so, not a whole lot on Carlos this episode, but, you know, he shows up there. Um, there we've got the raid. Uh, they raid Sunder Walker's house. Um, and basically, it all just leads to Davis. He catches Sunder Walker. I love that little scene when it's like, Sully, Sully, I got this guy. And Sully's like, hey, this guy? Officer Davis? Meet Sunder Walker. And the way Davis is like, sup? <laughs> I just thought he was like, what's up? <laughs> I can see that was a good one. Yeah. That is a good one. Um, I like the kind of little the little throwaway scene. It doesn't really mean much to the storyline, but kind of, you know, Bosco and, and Yokus are kind of leaving the, the precinct and, you know, Bosco's like, oh, you want to get a drink? And Yokus is like, well, look, you know, I'm, I'm berating Fred for not drinking. He's going to berate me if I go out and get a drink. And then, like, we get Kim interaction. Hi, Kim. Um, like, you know, Kim talking with Bosco and Yokus. Again, I always like sort of them interacting with each other. And, uh, you know, we find out that uh, the teen is going to live. So, um that's good. And then Davis leaves. Uh, we get Sully sort of patting on the back. You did all right. And then there's Malcolm. Malcolm knows where Davis works. Fair enough. And then I guess uh, we also find um, Davis is being told... Uh, actually, no, I'm jumping ahead here. Sorry, this is the scene where where Sully questions Davis, doesn't he? Where he says, like, oh, um, you know, that's a bad thing. The fact that Malcolm wasn't there, Sundle's going to blame him for going to the cops. So this is where Davis realizes, oh shit, I've done the wrong thing. Um, I don't know if this is the point where you wanted to say your thing about Davis, or is that the bit where he sees Malcolm at the end? It's when he sees Malcolm okay, at the right, end, we'll get to that. Um, so basically, from there, we then get the Bobby Maddie scene where they sort of Bobby's confronting Maddie. Sort of, he's obviously assuming at this point he's been involved in this holdup because you know he's found out he's quit his job. He doesn't have a job. Where's he getting this money from? But we obviously find out that uh, Maddie has another job. He's been washing dishes at a Chinese restaurant. Bobby doesn't believe him. But then Maddie's honest. He says, like, look, I'm working at this store. I'm getting in stereo CD players, you know, and I, I think to myself, hey, I could boost these. I could sell these. 
and he sort of stops himself and he says, like, look, I can hold myself off for a few days, but eventually I'm going to cave into my desire and I'm going to be a criminal again. So he quits. He's kind of done the moral thing and gone and worked at a Chinese restaurant because what does he say? Like, there's not much to steal here. So obviously Bobby feels like a bit of a fool because he's accused his brother of all this sort of stuff, which again, kind of going back to what Kim was saying, like, you know, look, you had every right to, you know, fair enough. Uh, but I guess we can close off Bobby and Kim really at this point because we get a nice little scene of Bobby on the stoop with Kim just having a conversation and we got a little, I don't know if you notice, like a real little moment there where they kind of look at each other and then Bobby's like, oh, okay, I better go. It's a bit late. Uh, Bobby, I saw that Bobby was looking at her, Marvin. Kettle. Was Kim looking at him back? I think they were. I think there was definitely tension there. I definitely okay. think there was like a, oh, will they, won't they moment. Uh, but then they won't. But uh, let's just say with the Bobby and Kim storyline, Matt, Maddie. You know, he plays a little bit of a part in what happens between these two in future episodes. So, um, that's all I'll say. I don't want to spoil it. Um, but anyway, so we get back. This is the part I jumped ahead to before. So Malcolm is waiting outside for Davis. He's basically like, you screwed me, man. Like, I went to the game. I was there all night. You didn't show up. And then at this point, Davis basically admits, like, I lied to you to get you away from Sunder Walker's house because, you know, I knew there was a raid going on. And then Malcolm's like, holy shit, dude. Like, what the fuck? I'm going to die now. I'm going to get a bullet in the back of my head. Uh, you know, thanks a lot. Screw my life up. So he does a runner. So I, I'm intrigued to hear your thoughts on Davis in this situation. Oh, with Malcolm? Hmm. Man, okay. Davis, the only reason he pissed me off was just the fact that, okay, what he did with Malcolm, the kid runs off, right? Yeah. Why would you let him run off? True. Why did you let him go? That's what pissed me off, because, like, you put his life in danger, and then he runs off. And you don't even, like, do anything. You just sit there, like, feeling sorry for yourself because you did that shit, like, you fucked up. Like, I know there's, like, protocols in line. You can't just bring a kid to your house. But, I mean, I don't know. It just, it just pissed me well, off. He it's does, like, at that though, point, doesn't he? Does he not bring Malcolm to his mum's house at some point in the future? Eventually, but that night, though. It's like that. Run night. True. I mean, I don't know. This is real life. I don't know. Like I said, real life. I just, it's a show. But real life, I mean, at that moment, right then and there, you take that kid and you get him. True. I think it's just more of a case he's in shock. He just feels bad. And I guess kind yeah. of he's just like, oh, fuck. Because like, he doesn't show any sort of like, hey, stop, don't run away. Like, he's just kind of like, oh, fuck, you know, sorry. Uh, but yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. And uh, this TV show. So eventually he does. But I'm just like, man. I forgot about that. Know, like, got- spoiler alert, Malcolm, you know, our bestie who we've known so long before this episode. <laughs> we get to know him more, at least. So you've met him in this episode, people. You haven't met him before. All right. Don't think you have. Um, Don't worry. So then we get this scene, this very sort of touching, confronting scene again. Like, uh, Doc's in to see his dad. His dad's obviously trying to, like, hey, look, you know, sorry about before. You know, I want to talk to you about this. But in comes Morales. And basically, you know, he's got to get a psychiatric uh, work over. And his dad is just pissed. He's just not happy. And then we get this sort of real little... I guess, implication or sort of insight, that's the word I'm looking for, implication, insight into Doc's life about how he's handled the death of his wife. You know, that he's shut down, he's shut away from all his friends, you know, and what does he say? Like, um, you won't let yourself live. Like, don't tell me I've got to live when you won't let yourself. And this is, again, going on to the tragedy of Doc Parker. And it's kind of, I guess in a way, it kind of makes sense. It kind of explains sort of, we're going back to a few episodes ago with Jerry, where sadly he clearly falls out of touch with Jerry. This obviously comes down to the fact that, as his dad says, like, you're shutting away from your friends. And this is all because of his wife's death. So, I, I guess kind of when we said a few episodes ago, like, this is the start of Doc's downfall is Jerry leaving. It is in a way for what we're seeing on screen. But if we were to go back a few months or a year, I think it's been at least within the year, that Doc's downfall came with his wife dying. So, 
we would be interesting to see Doc pre his wife dying. Um, but yeah, it would be, it would be. But I mean, at the end of the day, we have a lot of Doc coming up, and we get to see more of. I, I'm not sure if there's any flashbacks, are there? Not with Doc. Uh, well, I mean, we get, in one of the episodes in season two, we get a flashback of him, like, as a kid, kind of watching um, paramedics, kind of, I guess, really giving that impl- implication of why he wanted to become a paramedic. But the only flashback episodes we ever get a third watch in terms of a main plot line that isn't just, like, a flashback, we get a we get a bosco Yokus flashback episode, and we get a Sully and Davis's dad flashback episode, so... <laughs> He really does have a terrible life because even a flashback is kind of terrible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the tragedy of Doc Parker. We will uh, continue on this sad storyline of Doc. I really want to get Michael Beach back on this show uh, just to say, like, hey, when I interviewed a couple of years ago about your time on Third Watch, can we just start this interview again and say, what was it like playing this tragic character of Doc who really just everything goes so downhill for him in this show? So. Oh, man. <laughs> poor doc hashtag poor doc get it trending people um, just keep keep tweeting michael beach hashtag poor doc um, uh but maybe not all the time like you know michael beach is a very well established important actor like he doesn't have time for childish podcasts hashtagging him um but yeah, obviously it's sad uh you know when his dad is like you know get out get out like it's it's, it's sad to see uh, and sort of Doc's face when obviously he's like, you know, fighting it. Morales is kind of just like, look, you should leave. Um, and then obviously in between that, we had that Bobby Kim scene we mentioned. But then this is how it ends. We get Doc sitting outside and Morales kind of, you know, checking on him and talking about, you know, this is what we've got ahead of us, getting old. It's kind of one of these moments where like, even as a viewer, you're like, holy fuck, that's right. I'm going to get old one day. Um, so it's kind of, it's not a very nice way of... um ending the episode in terms of positiveness, but uh, I guess we get this nice little scene where Morales is like, hey, you want to go get some coffee and talk? And Doc's like, look, another time. Um, and it's, again, it's sort of setting things up with Doc and Morales in the future. And... Injected. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I mean, look, I would. it's kind of like wrong time, wrong place there, Morales. Like, hey, your dad's trying to kill himself. Want to get some coffee and talk? <laughs> I was just kidding. I was just like, oh, rejecting. No. I mean... <laughs> I mean, but he obviously he's just like thanks. Like she didn't take it wrong, or like it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a asking. Now it's just like do you want to get some coffee? I think she that's when she realized like you know I think that was a moment like of a beginning of a friendship. Yeah, like you know because sure, she, sure. she's been so busy. This episode is definitely and was, yeah. Like, yeah, and then Doc was like gives her like from the beginning like who's who's how is he you know like and they come find out to her and then having stand up for Kim against her you know and this is the first time like we get to see like the softer side Morales and Doc and like we see like a better friendship between and I just I think kind of what we said last episode I really think that the Morales is a bitch storyline is done like from this point on it's we all love Morales so um it's yeah it's I mean Lisa Vidal we keep talking her up she's great so um you know it's it's that's one thing kind of like (laughs) I'm jumping way too ahead with the Doc storyline but um no, I won't say it because we'll be spoiling. Uh, so that's uh, that's that's this episode done. We're we're done into our ninth episode now. Modern designs for better living. What are we what are we doing with this one, Brandy? Are we buying it, renting it, or binning it? I'm renting it. You renting it? Yeah. Look, I'm gonna. I don't want to get rid of. It. You guys, sorry, go I interrupted you. No, you, please continue. No, you did. I was like, I don't really want to buy it or get rid of it to the fullest. I would, I would rent it because I mean, it's it's interesting. I I'm gonna I'm gonna buy it. Like I was going into this thinking I'd rent it, but just talking about it and just kind of like a lot of the things around it and just um, I think with the Doc Morales thing, I think that's kind of an important thing to kind of look forward how this is set up and it's kind of. 
and it's also kind of going back to what I said about like once you've seen this episode, you won't forget it because of the the whole sort of the Tina you know beast lady storyline and. I don't know. I just... I'm, I'm, I'm swayed. I'm going to buy it. Stuff it. Stuff it. Brandy, I'm buying this one. I'm going to splurge this week on the budget. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> just save money for a Sergeant Cruz t-shirt. <laughs> true. 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 Uh, so that's episode nine. We'll be back for episode ten. We've gone a bit long on this one, but hey, we get sidetracked. That's what we do. Uh, Demolition Derby is the next one. Now, this is an interesting episode. This is kind of one of these episodes that I feel you get a couple of times in a season that really, on the grand scheme of the plot, has nothing to do with it. It's just kind of like that take you out of the season episode because you've got a big event happening. You've got, like, something major that happens in this episode that clearly kind of takes the focus of it. Um, I don't mind this episode. It's definitely not one of my favourites. So I'm I'm really looking forward to how my opinion might say this. One thing I will put a special note on, we did talk a lot about uh, last episode how we had sort of big-name actors in Third Watch. Um, you know, I said about Ossie Davis in this one and kind of other people that going forward. Keep an eye out in the next episode for J.K. Simmons. At this point, future Academy Award winner, J.K. Simmons, currently recording. He's already won an Academy Award. If you have no idea who I'm talking about, uh, I'm sure you do because he's a big name now. But, like, if you're a Spider-Man fan, Joe Jonah Jamison, the the newspaper editor from the original Tobey Maguire trilogy, J.K. Simmons. We've been doing some Spider-Man episodes and Colin and I have been talking him up so much. So it's interesting. J.K. Simmons in Third Watch and in our Nip Tuck rewatch that we're doing, J.K. Simmons also is in an episode of Nip Tuck coming soon too. So he's covering all our bases. But J.K. Simmons, extremely talented actor, big name now in 2017, an Academy Award winner. But keep an eye out for him in the next episode. I don't know if you kind of realise who that was. He played... Zootopia, that's a good yeah. movie a lot of people know about. I mean, he's he's great. Mega Mind, uh, Spider Man. Yep. I mean, the account, the recent accountant movie uh, with uh, Ben Affleck. Yep. So yeah, he's huge. He's great, huge name now. But uh, here we go. He's one of these ones that definitely. Uh, I guess I mean he was. I think he was known coming into this. Like he's one of those. I think he was more at this point one of those people. It's like, oh, I know him. He was in that. Whereas now you know him by name. So it's kind of J.K. Simmons. Look out for him in the next episode. Brandy, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for for your company. I don't know why I'm thanking you because we generally close out with our names. I'm thinking I'm doing another episode here. That's incorrect. Ignore me. I'm just thanking you anyway. Uh, if you love these episodes, <laughs> down, download them, iTunes, subscribe. You know the drill. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, hashtag. Tag uh, poor doc. Um, I'm going to close this out by saying uh, my name is Ben, and damn, would you look at those? That is a once in a lifetime piece of ass. I bet. <laughs> and again, this is Brandy, and you can find me on Twitter at bwhitfield 1900s. That's the number 1900s, and then yeah, if you have any questions about third watch or any topic that you want to know about some of the characters or questions we might be able to ask i mean answer please ask away and so definitely follow us stay tuned keep downloading we love that you're listening in we hope that you're watching these shows or trying to like get the shows somehow you know and so yeah and again we are going on a raid thank you for listening to the oz network don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week for more information hit us up at theoznetwork.net